We're in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20 as we continue our studies in the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. The Didache, which is a Greek word meaning teaching, and it's short for the teaching of the Lord to the Gentiles by the Twelve Apostles. It's a short early Christian writing containing instruction uh, for Christian communities. Uh, The text is believed to have been written prior to 150 A.D. And, uh, you know, it's not the Bible, but it's interesting to see how people... Christians close to the time of the Lord and the time of the apostles uh, interpreted some of Jesus' words. And um, there's a section in the Didache that kind of speaks to false prophets and false uh, teachers. I just want to read it to you just uh, to to give you an idea of uh, how they made application of this. There's a section, it's translated by a guy named J.B. Lightfoot, And it says, whoever therefore shall come and teach you all these things that have been said before, receive him. But if the teacher himself be perverted and teach a different doctrine to the destruction thereof, hear him not. But if to the increase of righteousness and the knowledge of the Lord, receive him as the Lord. But concerning the apostles and prophets, so do ye according to the ordinance of the gospel. Let every apostle when he comes to you be received as the Lord, but he shall not abide more than a single day. Or if there need be, but if he abide three days, he is a false prophet. And when he departs, let the apostle receive nothing except bread until he finds shelter. If he ask money, he is a false prophet. And if any prophet speaking in the spirit, ye shall not try, uh, neither discern. For every sin shall be forgiven, but this sin shall not be forgiven. Yet not everyone that speaketh in the Spirit is a prophet, but only if he has the way of the Lord. From his ways, therefore, the false prophet and the prophet shall be recognized. No prophet, when he orders a table in the Spirit, shall eat of it. Otherwise, he is a false prophet. And every prophet teaching the truth, if he does not do what he teaches, he is a false prophet. And every prophet approved and found true, if he does aught as an outward mystery typical of the church, and yet teaches you not to do all that he does, shall not be judged before you. He has his judgment in the presence of God. Whoever shall say in the spirit, give me silver or anything else, you shall not listen to him. But if he tells you to give on behalf of others that are in want, let no man judge him. Let everyone that comes in the name of the Lord be received. And when you have tested him, you shall know him, for you shall have the understanding on the right hand and on the left. If the comer is a traveler, assist him so far as you're able. But he shall not stay with you more than two or three days, if it be necessary. If he wishes to settle with you, being a craftsman, let him work and eat his bread. But if he has no craft, according to your wisdom, provide how he shall live as a Christian among you, but never in idleness. If he will not do this, he is trafficking upon Christ. Beware of such men. So it's interesting. Uh, The more things change, the more they stay the same. (laughs) 
Uh, these men always appear to be Christians. As Jesus says, they look like sheep. They're, they look like Christians, but they're really wolves hiding among the sheep, seeking to devour. And the Didache lets us know that one way they devour is by ripping people off and taking advantage of them financially. Uh, and, and so that's something uh, that I don't know how modern uh, people miss this, you know, in terms of people begging for money and all that. But giving is a discipline Jesus recommends. We've saw that in our studies. And there's nothing wrong with supporting ministers and missionaries. But we should be extra cautious in asking for funds and, of course, in how they are spent. Verses 16 through 18 deal with the detection of the false prophets. And Jesus says you're going to know them by their fruits. Very obviously, a tree or a plant produces fruit according to its character. Thorn bushes cannot bear grapes. Thistles do not bear figs. A good tree bears good fruit. and A bad tree bears bad fruit. This principle is true in the natural world, and Jesus says it's just as true in the spiritual world. The life and the teaching of those who claim to speak for God should be tested by the word of God. We are looking for fruitfulness, not flawlessness, and that's an important distinction. All of us fall and fail at times. We all have our flaws, but we should also bear fruit. Uh, and, and we do it in both of the areas that Jesus is talking about, both personally in our walk with the Lord and also doctrinally. Uh, there's no one who has 100% pure doctrine that hasn't at one time or another changed their mind about an issue or said something that needed to be clarified or you know that kind of... So we're not looking for a flawlessness, obviously. And the kind of fruitfulness Jesus meant was probably twofold, as I mentioned, personal first and then doctrinal as well so on a personal level you're going to be looking for a person to be doing good works that speak of the love of god in their heart you can't say that you love god and not actively selflessly serve others from a motive of love and you can't say that you have faith and produce no works and this is uh, evident in scripture uh it becomes a theological problem for some people, but it really isn't a problem at all. Uh, obviously, if you've been born again and you're a Christian with God the Holy Spirit indwelling you, God's new nature, you're going to uh, reveal that through love towards others. That's what the Lord did. You know, He, he gave Himself uh, in coming as a man, in dying on the cross, in rising from the dead. And so we're going to live that kind of selfless, crucified, resurrected life among others. And, and you can see that, uh, you know, as, as people serve others from that motive. As these false prophets and teachers develop in the New Testament, as you read other passages about them in Second Peter and Jude, for example, they're often described as living carnal and sensual lives. And so it, it seems that if you're not spiritual you're carnal and you become materialistic and you begin to give in to the sinful cravings of your flesh. Rather than the fruit of holiness, you, you see fleshliness. And, and so this is a natural progression. You know, once you, if you're not spiritual, you can only be religious to a certain point in terms of uh, disciplining yourself or, or you know, obeying certain rules and regulations. And at some point, you're going to get more and more fleshly give in more and more to the lust of the flesh and carnal things. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, false teachers and prophets don't always start this way. Uh, but if, you know, if they aren't really serving the Lord 
from their heart, they're going to end up getting into sin and bringing others with them. Now, on a doctrinal level, only a correct presentation of essential biblical teaching is going to bring fruit both in their life and in the lives of their hearers. When things like the Trinity and the virgin birth and the deity of Jesus Christ and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, when things like the inerrancy and the infallibility and the inspiration of Scripture are abandoned, then ultimately no fruit is possible. Uh, and, and um, you know, we see this a lot in what we would consider liberal churches, churches that have abandoned these essential doctrines. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard many times from ministers on television who are being interviewed for various things that, uh, you know, usually in these archaeological historical context that, you know, somebody thinks they found the skull of Jesus or the bones of Jesus or something like that. A lot of these guys, they don't even blink. They think, well, that, that wouldn't affect my faith one bit if they found the, the physical remains of Jesus because, uh, you know, the resurrection is mostly a spiritual idea. Uh, well, that's just hokum or whatever that means. It's bunk. I mean, you know, Jesus either rose from the dead bodily or he didn't. And if he didn't, then he was a liar and everything we believe is, is a lie. And so... You know, and yet these churches, they can be doing uh, social good work. They can be doing a lot around the world or in their community. In fact, sometimes they're doing more in their community on the surface because they've really lost the sense of evangelism. They've lost the sense of purpose. And so looking for a purpose, they start to help the poor and rebuild houses and have all these benevolence programs and things like that. And on the surface, it looks like, wow, they're doing more than the evangelical church down the road who is just telling people they're sinners and they're going to go to hell. Uh, but over time, there's no fruit. You know, there's no lasting spiritual fruit because uh, for obvious reasons. So we have to have uh, a handle on essential biblical teaching. Uh, and it gets a little dicey because, there, you know, once you get out from the the main body of, of what all Christians have to agree on, then people start to argue about, well, no, I think you have to agree on this too. You know, how, whether or not Jesus is going to rapture the church pre, uh, mid, or post, that, that's an essential doctrine. Well, it's really not. You know, the only thing essential about that is that he is coming back. And uh, there's a Christians can believe a variety of different methods about how he's going to come back. And so Christians like to argue within themselves, amongst themselves rather, about what is essential. There's only a few essential doctrines uh, like those I've mentioned, but they are essential and we can't move from them and you can't really be a Christian and, and believe something otherwise. <clears throat> or at least you're not going to have any fruit uh, and you're going to end up in the flesh. Churches that downplay the gospel because they don't want to offend anyone are ultimately doing people more harm than good. You can't take anything away from the gospel and think it will produce real lasting fruit in people's lives. We've become far too tolerant of false prophets and teachers within the church. It's interesting to me that instead of speaking out against them, people get angry when those uh, when others speak out against them. Uh, they, you know, and so I'll never forget when we had Dave Hunt here. I mentioned this too many times before, but KRDU introduced him on the radio as the most hated man in Christianity at the time uh, because he had written The Seduction of Christianity and Beyond Seduction where he named certain individuals who were teaching false doctrine. I mean, it, I, he didn't call them false teachers or false prophets. He didn't say that they were doomed to hell. 
but he just pointed out from scripture how their doctrine was not biblical uh, in huge areas, big sweeping areas. And so, uh, and, and yet there's many people, uh, you know, who they, a lot of Christian bookstores don't carry his books anymore uh, because he's divisive and contentious, they say. Uh, and, uh, and yet they'll have a whole shelf full of word faith books, uh, you know, that, that are full of heresy. It's very interesting. It's tricky. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not always as easy or obvious. This week I was sent a video clip of Joel Osteen being interviewed by Larry King. Some of you might know who Joel Osteen is. He's the pastor of Lakewood Church in uh, Texas. It's one of the largest professing Christian congregations in the world. Uh, he does a lot of positive, motivational kinds of uh, preaching, you know. Here's a snippet of the interview, first of all. King, we've had ministers on who said, your record don't count. You either believe in Christ or you don't. Do I sound like Larry King? Let me hunch over a little bit. If you believe in Christ, you're you are going to heaven. And if you don't, no matter what you've done in your life, you ain't. Osteen, yeah, I don't know. There's probably a balance between. I believe you have to know Christ. But I think that if you know Christ, if you're a believer in God, you're going to have some good works. I think it's a cop-out to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't ever do anything. What if you're Jewish or Muslim? You don't accept Christ at all. You know, I'm very careful about saying who would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. If you believe you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God will judge a person's heart. I spend a lot of time in India with my father. I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. And I don't know. I've seen their sincerity. So I don't know. I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. All right, that's just hokum, as we like to say. Now, later on, on his website, he posted this apology. It's no longer accessible for whatever reason, but it was there for a while. He says, It was never my desire or intention to leave any doubt as to what I believe and whom I serve. I believe with all my heart that it's only through Christ that we have hope and eternal life. I regret and sincerely apologize that I was unclear on the very thing in which I have dedicated my life. Jesus declared in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I believe that Jesus Christ alone is the only way to salvation. However, it wasn't until I had the opportunity to review the transcript of the interview that I realized I had not clearly stated that having a personal relationship with Jesus is the only way to heaven. Tricky, isn't it? Hard to nail down. Uh... There's a guy named Ole Anthony. He's of the Dallas-based Trinity Foundation. He described Osteen's overall message, his overall ministry as, and I quote, cotton candy. And then others have referred to it as Christianity light. I don't know if those things are helpful. But what concerns sincere critics, including, including many Christian apologists, is that his theology borrows from that word-faith movement, that word-faith theology that includes so many outright heretical teachings and practices that many Christians consider the movement to be an aberration or a cult uh, of Christianity, you know, a false teaching. So we're called upon to examine persons and their doctrine for fruit. 
to the extent a guy like Osteen is a word, faith, prosperity guy, then uh, that is not fruitful, and he would be producing a false teaching. Uh, the stakes are really, really high in this. People are led astray, and the prophets and the teachers themselves are headed for condemnation. And so I, I talk about Osteen because we want to be careful. Uh, it's too easy to, hey, you hear about this guy? Yeah, he's a false teacher. I mean, when you say somebody's a false teacher, I mean, you're saying that they're going to they're gonna be burned in the final judgment. I mean, that they're willfully leading people astray. Uh, now, you can look at somebody and say, that teaching is off. That, that, you know, that he shouldn't have said that. I understand his apology, but in general, his teaching is just off. It's, it's a poor teaching. It's an aberrant teaching. It's a heretical teaching. It's a false teaching. And at some point, those that are doing false teaching, you are able to say, well, they're false teachers because there's, the fruit is just not there, the, fruit, the personal fruit and the doctrinal fruit. Uh, so it can be a little bit tricky. Uh, we want to be loving. Uh, you know, we want to know that these people have been confronted by others who are, you know, doctrinal and call them on the carpet and say, hey, did, what did you mean when you said that? I've had people after church ask me, say, uh, it sounded like you said this. I go, well, if, I didn't mean to say that. If, if it sounded that way, I'm sorry because that's not. So I understand the place for misunderstanding. So we want to be cautious, but we don't want to back away from this. I mean, there really are false teachings out there, and they really do lead people astray, not only away from the Lord, but to hell. <clears throat> uh, like I said, the, the one gal who uh, was killed in this fire in Lemoore, about a week or two earlier, she had been to the Nazarene church there, and, and they had led her to Christ, led her to faith in Christ. Uh, so very important that we get these things right. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, we don't know if we have any tomorrows. If a person comes to church or to a teaching and they're seeking the Lord, uh, we can't afford to, to not give them the real gospel. We can't afford to say, well, I don't want to offend you with the idea that you might die and go to hell. So let's just wait on that. Let me tell you about these other fluffy cotton candy kinds of things. Uh, let me talk about the potential that you have to be a, a you know, to live the purpose-driven life and all this kind of stuff. I mean, let's just talk about Jesus and where you are spiritually and, and make sure that you know that kind. So we, we want to hold on to that uh, tenaciously and, and fight for it and uh, keep false teaching out of our own life and uh, individually and also out of the life of our church. Amen? Amen. Amen.